thinking I was artsy, I took all of these pieces of trash, cut them up into tiny pieces, and glued them onto cardboard to say mom. I thought I was smart, but looking back, it must have looked like a ransom note. <laughs> My mom gave me a confused response. She just really had no idea what to think. I was probably 10 or 11, so I was old enough to have thought this out better, but I didn't. I also made one for my dad on his birthday a few weeks later, so apparently I learned nothing. I gave my mother fake chocolates once. Every Mother's Day, we had to make a craft in class, and for some reason, my teacher had the genius idea to make fake chocolates. She provided some old, empty chocolate boxes, and we had to make chocolate out of clay, paint them brown, and put them in the box. So my mom thought they were actual chocolates until she opened the box. I don't think I've ever seen her look more disappointed. When I was six, I gave my mom a pack of Yahtzee scorecards. I went to the drugstore and it was the only thing I could afford. <laughs> no, she didn't owe Yahtzee. Bonus, my brother bought her a can of foot fungus spray for the same reason. She pretended to like it, but both my parents were laughing really hard. My ex-husband got me a $400 turbo flush toilet. I'm not an epic shitter, never said anything about wanting or needing a tall commode with a forceful flush, but that's what I got. Our kid was three. I was pissed, bummed, and shocked. But that thing was pretty grand. Every once in a while, I miss it since I've moved. I got my kids drawing cards for their friend's mom. They ignored me all day and gave my cupcake to the neighbor girl. Not sure where I went wrong here. A few years ago, my sister and I bought our mom two tiny purple petunia plants. They were sad looking and we couldn't figure out how to wrap them, but my mom liked purple and she liked petunia, so she went along with it. We helped her plant them in the front flower bed. They came back the next year and the year after. Then they spread to the front lawn, then the backyard, then to the garden and pond. Now they are going down the street. After getting the kids all excited about making me breakfast today, my kids totally bailed after they gave me the gifts they made, which were very sweet. So my husband made the breakfast pizza himself. We watched a movie, then the kids fucked off to their rooms, and I played video games all day. Luckily, I am of the not popular, I know, opinion that Mother's Day is a bullshit holiday made up to sell cards and flowers and candy. I don't need that shit. My kids are awesome and they tell me they love me every day. Not a fan of getting random stuff 
would rather have experiences as gifts like watching Clueless with my daughter this morning and seeing her face. It's sweet, and I know a lot of people love Mother's Day, but frankly, I have always had a shit-tastic relationship with my mom, and Mother's Day was always a weird game of red light, green light with her. Can we do enough nice things before she bursts into tears because nobody loves her enough? So yeah, fuck it. I don't need a special day to remind me that I'm a mom with awesome kids. I'm good. Enjoying not having a coca clean today, though. That's fucking nice. So what should I, I do either I bought it or it was a gift. So what should I do with these? I can just give these away or dump them. That was yours. You gave it to me. Yeah, but it was yours originally. Do you know what that dress is? That is a dress I was wearing when I gave it to girls. I was going to say, you must have been free girl. Pokemon. I wish this would fit me. Look at that and remember the dad is a dress I was wearing when I gave birth. I was gonna say you must have been Frego. That is a dress I was wearing when I gave birth. I was gonna say you must have been Frego. I do remember that because when I saw it, I went, oh, let's give the beanie babies in. I think they're in the corner. Yeah, big. They met a sad end. That's so funny that those are still in there from like old granola bars from 2003. They're somewhere, but you know, you gave away a lot of them. No, I didn't. But you saved some. And I think they're either in the closet or they're in the garage, but they're they're safe wherever they are. Remember that. I just don't. I, either I bought it or it was a gift. Bad. I really taped it good. I'm worried I got like. You want that, right? Where'd that fan come from? I couldn't remember. Fan now that I cut it? <laughs> oh, you did cut it. I don't I think I necessarily it. want the fan, but. Well, I like them, but I'm keeping like the hyper personal ones. Well, where did they come from? Because I they were in here. Just like... Okay. 
Well, we shall return to the box. Hopefully I got some sort of recording stuff done. Hopefully. <clears throat> Dad is lonely. Advice lifted directly from early 20th century parenting books. There is a sensible way of treating children. Let your behavior always be objective. Never hug and kiss them. Shake hands with them once in the morning. If we give the baby too much, we must admit, we may be sowing the seeds of socialism. The baby's first bath usually consists of benzoated lard. Dr. Sackett recommends black coffee at six months, but not before. Pregnant mothers should avoid thinking of ugly people. A certain mother while pregnant longed for gin, which could not be gotten, and her child cried incessantly for six weeks till gin was given it, which it eagerly clutched and drank with ravenous greediness, stopped crying, and became healthy. My Mother Reads Poetry by Georgi Gospodinov Translated into English by Maria Vasilova Presented by Lubomir Parushev and Konstantina Parusheva Two packs thin, ready-rolled pastry sheets. Two coffee cups, butter melted. A kilogram of apples. One cup biscuit crumbs. One cup ground walnuts. Two coffee cups sugar. One packet cinnamon powder. Wash the apples. Peel and remove the seeds. Grate in large strips. Mix with the sugar, the ground walnuts, and the cinnamon. Take a pastry sheet. Grease it and cover it with another sheet. Spread some of the apple mix over them and roll them together. Repeat with the other pastry sheets. Grease them and bake over medium heat until the top crust is red and the bottom pink. When you bake it, it's a strudel, but for now, it's still a poem.
most essential thing? Being flexible. <laughs> Being flexible. Well, that's and, good to know. And yeah. And start stretching. Start, yeah, start, start stretching. stretching. And you know what else? Every child is different. I mean, really, the three of you are the same, but very different. And you just have to realize, you know, yeah, they came from me, <laughs> they're mine, but they're very different. Ladies, you ready? Ready. Okay. I'm lighting Baruch, I put my phone into my front pocket and he was like, take your phone out of your pocket. That's your baby maker. You don't want um, radiation. You have to put that in your back pocket. And I remember being like appalled. He says, well, your, your job, you know, you're so pretty. Your job is, is to have, has, is to have kids and I was like okay I think it's just something that was always slipped in you know with the aunts and my grandmother just you know aren't you dating when are you gonna date when are you getting married when are you, you know yeah it was that generation well, you know they say that the women are the glue in the Jewish religion um, they're honored monthly and if it weren't for a lot of the women... Yeah. What is that? It's a telephone. Oh, can I call her right back? You talk to her. Tell her you call her right back. Hey, can I call you back in a few minutes? Aw, oh, thank you. Okay, all right, okay. All right, love you too. Bye. Can I use a cuss word? Happy New Year. Yes, uh, Happy New Year. How are you today? I'm, uh, I'm okay. I'm glad. My name is Dr. Chiswick, and I'll be handling your fertility case while you're with us. It's nice to meet you. It's very nice to meet you, too. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and why you're here today? Okay, uh, well, um, I'm Nora, as you already know. I'm a child psychologist. I turned 30 last year. Congrats. Uh, sure. That's one way to put it. I, I think that's a big reason why I'm here, though. The biological clock fear? Well, kinda, yeah, but more than not wanting to wait any longer. I feel ready. I am ready. We often get an influx of patients around the new year, and so it can be hard for us to decipher that readiness from, let's say... A phase. This is definitely not a phase. I understand that. Can you speak a little more on why you now feel ready? Sure. Um, well, I just bought a house about a month ago. 
Before that, I was living in an apartment downtown, and a big reason for the move was that I'd have space to raise a family. Career-wise, I feel really solid in this job, and that I'll be supported while I'm on maternity leave. And I guess emotionally, I finally feel like I'm ready to be that mother figure I've always wanted and believed myself to be. Okay. Well, that all makes sense. Now, your intake forms show you have no partner or sperm candidate. Is that right? Yes. I thought part of this was that you'd help me find a donor. Absolutely. We can connect you with the donor base we use. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't someone in your life, possibly a close friend, who you were considering. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's just me. Okay. Do you feel supported in this decision? By your friends and family? Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay, Nora. We're going to conduct a few fertility tests today, along with your standard STI checks. And for the intrauterine insemination to be as effective as possible, we'll monitor your cycle for the next two months so that we can pinpoint peak ovulation time for the procedure, which will occur in about three months. Oh, I... I didn't realize I'd have to wait that long. Well, you need some time to find your sperm candidate. Hi there, how can I help you? Do you have any ice skates? I want a good pair. I'll pay anything. Uh, sure. I can look for your size. Size 11. 11. So are you a professional? We don't get a lot of interest this time of year. No. I just, I need these skates. I can't cope without them. My wife, she was in the river behind our house when the river overtook her. I tried getting in the water to go after her, but I can't swim. I got out as far as I could walk. Saw her waving her arms above the waterline, getting smaller and smaller. But I can't swim. I couldn't get her because I can't swim. I've just got to find her, kid. I'm going to wait back there until the river freezes over and they'll skate as far as I need to skate to bring her back home. I'm... I'm... really sorry. I... I just... I... 
I didn't, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, your total is 149.99. Thanks. So, I, and I know, I remember you kind of saying the story, but what was the story with Lolo getting the job, like, in climbing the tree?
to move from my hometown. The place I was born is also the place I witnessed my mother die. And the fear is starting to creep in. What if when I leave, I forget? I let go, and all the memories stay in Miami. What if the pain this honorable grief heals. I am almost afraid of the type of loss healing feels of. Who will I become without mommy? If I no longer hold this pain for her death, a suspended space, Am I afraid of the guilt? Is this survivor's remorse? Not wanting the happiness that comes with relinquishing sadness? Scared to stop service to the suffering cannot be a memorial. To tell you the truth, I have a jealousy on Mother's Day. It's displayed, carefree, antiquated glamour. It's suffocating and saturating, sweet obligation. I yearn for that. Over this haunting phantom feeling of my past. Because sometimes you do not want to think of your dead, unpresent mother on Mother's Day. And then I was like, I'm going to make, I'll make sauce while I'm on the phone with you. You can tell me how to make sauce. But I'm like, I don't need to make sauce. I have sauce in the fridge that I made like last week. Why am I going to waste the sauce making sauce, you know, but chopping up an onion here. What? You're the director. I'm waiting for direction. I know. I'm getting there. I'm just explaining to you my thought process. Oh, okay. I didn't, okay. I didn't know you were going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere. But I'm wondering... If you could, like, I have early memories of food that relate to you. I was wondering if you could tell me some of the early memories you have of food that relate to me. Like, whether, because cooking and food, like, you know, life is pain. (laughs) Existence is absolutely miserable. And cooking and eating are, like, the only two 
true respite that I have from the misery of existence. I know, and I I do not want you to respond to this, but that at your age that makes me sad because it at least should be three and sex should be included in there. I do not want a response, but I'm just stating a fact. If you're talking about those things in life that bring you pleasure at yeah. your age. Yeah, but you can only have that. Like re- realistically, I'm 31 years old. Like I can have sex once a day, maybe I could masturbate twice a day. You know, BMI, my dear. times a day. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, but you could also be fat and get high cholesterol and heart attack. And I'm yeah. just laughing because at yeah. that age, I was, I was just getting divorced from your father. So I, my younger years were never like that. And now in my later years, you, you know, it's, it's, he and, anyway, uh, he, let's he and move on. Dan Mars are coming to LA and, I realized I'm precisely the age he was when he left, when he came out. Three months after I turned 29, I was sitting on the couch with a three-month-old and a three-year-old, and your father said, I think I'm gay and I'm probably leaving you. And I think that just takes on such a new perspective. So you're 31. So by the time I was 31, your father said he thought he wanted to leave at 29. It took him a year to make up his mind. So by the time I was 31, I was already alone with the two of you for almost a year, had opened the family childcare and had gone back to college. Yeah, no, I know. That's a lot. I'm not trying to toot my horn. I'm just saying it's a lot. When I think about it now, when I look at like 29 year olds at work and I think, you know, now I know why people say to me, Oh my God, how did you do that? But at the time, I didn't think I was doing anything special. I just sprung into action. Do you know what I mean? I just did what yeah. I thought needed to be done. But this, okay. this, this is a bit of a big digression from the question I asked, which was about memories of me and food, and maybe memories of me either enjoying food or preparing food. No, I know that, but you took a left turn and talked about being 31 and realized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. We all so we're bringing it back around. We, we both took the digression. I wasn't playing. So my thing. biggest memory of you, and I know you're gonna, you would get it if I said, "What am I thinking?" My biggest memory of you in food is. My mom has a few strange sayings. Her very top favorite being, c'est toi qui va être le pire, which literally translates to, you're the one that's going to be the worst. If I didn't want to do my homework, I'd get hit with it. C'est toi qui va être le pire. If I wanted to stay up past my bedtime to watch a movie, c'est toi qui va être le pire. If I wanted to eat my dessert before I ate my dinner, c'est toi qui va être le pire. And I always took it very literally. Like, if I did any of those bad things, I'd literally be the worst human being on the face of the planet Earth. Those are some heavy consequences for giving in to your sweet tooth. Recently, I've been thinking that it actually does not have to do with anyone else on this planet. Perhaps, c'est toi qui va être le pire really just means that I'll become the worst version of myself. Again, this is pretty dramatic for just wanting some ice cream at 5pm, but isn't that what mothers are for? To hold us to our highest standards because they know how good we can be, 
and always want us to strive for our best. Anything short of that, by comparison, is our worst. And they can't have that. Not from their special little kid. For the sake of this piece, I called my mom and asked her what exactly she means by c'est toi qui va être le pire. Actually, I called her, she didn't answer, so I called my dad, who brought the phone down to her, interrupting her in the middle of a YouTube yoga session. I asked her, in English, what she meant by her puzzling saying. Her answer was my mother in a nutshell. What does it mean? It means that you better responsibility of your act. The most enigmatic mom in the world. And I wouldn't trade her for anything. I promise I'll responsibility of my act, mother. What do you mean when you say, c'est toi qui va être le pire? What does that mean? What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it means that you bear the responsibility of your act. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, I love you. That's it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, enjoy your yoga. Bye. Bye. <laughs> If you've enjoyed letting theater of the electric mouth, 
invade your mind with stories of origin, please consider subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you're currently experiencing this. And hey, while you're at it, be sure to leave us a review. We want to hear from you. Stories of Origin was produced by me, Molly Cohen, and mixed and mastered by Zach Trevino. It is composed of funny little stories about Mother's Day from Reddit by Ali Rojek and Jake Regensburg. Box by Rachel Thomas-Levy. Advice from early 20th century parenting guides by Davis Alienello. My Mother Reads Poetry by Lubomir Purushev. It Would Have Been Enough by Molly Cohen. Plan C by Molly Cohen. The River Took Her by Kristen Aldrich and Justin Evans. Pinoy Market Shuffle by Steve Baroga. Mommy Is Dead by Kara Dodge. Sauce Talk by Zach Tribino. You're Going to Be the Worst by Eric Flacing. And A Planting by Tessera Morgan. Theater of the Electric Mouth is a global theater collective dedicated to titillating your minds through your ears with absurd and literary audio dramas.